get into it. The podcast that dives into the past, present, and future of NADAR. This is where we will hear stories of how the organization came to be, tips for better representation, and a behind-the-scenes look of NADAR. Now with your hosts, Eva Sermon and Jay Shea Guest. I am Carletta Griffin, inviting you. Let's get into it. Welcome to another exciting episode of Let's Get Into It. We are NADR, the National Association of Disability Reps, and you all know that. Here with Eva Sermon, uh, the great co-host extraordinaire. And just want to tell you a wonderful job on the networking weekend. We are starting our 25th episode. Today is our 25th episode from the very start. We started in October of 2021 when we started this podcast, and it's been a wow. How are you doing, Eva? Great. Thank you, Shay. And uh, that's unbelievable that we're on episode 25. I mean, when you say we're on the fourth season, that sounds like a lot, but 25 sounds like a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so uh, that's that's a great milestone to acknowledge. Um, also had a great time in New Orleans. Um, it was so great to see everybody there and just have some time to, to network and um, be together. Um, always, always a good time to to spend some uh, time on Bourbon Street with our colleagues. And luckily for me, I was able to to keep that uh, to a minimum this time. I didn't get in any trouble, didn't stay out too late, uh, had fun, but but kept it under wraps. What about you, Shay? I gained weight. That's all yeah. I can do. <laughs> A lot of etouffee, I guess. I, I, I eat my weight in jambalaya and uh, should not have. So I'm, I'm having a having to roll that back. And <laughs> so we, <laughs> we, uh, I don't know. As a, as a point of transparency and 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 to give everybody an idea of how exciting this episode is going to be, it's almost like deja vu. Um, we had a little bit of uh, technical snafu when we originally recorded this episode, and we're going to have to do it twice. But only we get to hear it twice. Uh, <laughs> everybody well, else gets to hear it once. In case you were wondering, Shay and I are human. We are. We, we do not have artificial intelligence. There, are, there are no redundancies here. It is me and him, and uh, we definitely make mistakes. So uh, today we're excited to have with us um, Bucky Dodd, who I was introduced to through. Um, the Texas Society of Association Executives and um, ultimately invited him to speak at our conference uh, coming up in April in Atlanta um, about just that very thing, artificial intelligence. So welcome, Bucky. Thanks for joining us. Again. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Part two. I um, I can't help but thank you to, uh, off the bat if we're worried about the machines taking over the world. There's a good reminder there that we still have to hit the record button, right? So the the human is involved, you know. So it's great to be here and and look forward to the conversation today. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Um, okay, so let's get started with you um, and a little bit of background, um, you know, just on your personal life, where you came from, grew up, went to school, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I am from uh, the o Oklahoma City area and uh, live here with my my family. 
Um, I've spent my entire career in uh, education and training, and I absolutely love the work that I do. I um, have the opportunity to work with um, education organizations, schools, universities, colleges, um, but also do a lot of work with associations, businesses, and industries. So I have this really um, interesting opportunity to see education and learning and work um, from a variety of perspectives, and it's one of the things that I uh, really enjoy so much about the about the work that I do. Um, so, you know, I kind of got into this uh, this interest of of AI from a lot of background research and work that I have done, and then, of course, as it has become more um, forefront and popular in people's uh, minds, um, there's not a better connection point between how people learn and how technology learns, and and to to really explore that connection there. Yeah, you know, we we've had several conversations recently with, um, well, m- me personally with our incoming president Chris um, Mazzuli, who's who's all over this and really believes that it's an important um, sort of future piece of the way people work and um, and sort of create efficiencies for themselves in their day, um, and so. It was just, I guess, great timing uh, when I ran across that session that you presented for TSAE because um, he had just said we had just come out of a meeting, you know, maybe the week before about, hey, this this is going to be a focus, something that I really think we need to look into and sort of provide that education piece for our members. Um, because I, I do think for most people, um, even even probably the very tech savvy um it can be intimidating, right? Like it's just a very new um, uh, technology and something that I think people don't know what they don't know, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about what you see with AI and how it is just across, you know, pretty much every industry um, making change. Oh yeah, it's a it's a it's a great um, question and sort of line of of thinking. Um, I like to think about AI as being sort of a printing press level disruptor, right? You know, so when we think about the types of change that it is going to have on the way people work and the way that they um, interact with day to day, it's it's going to have that level of 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 impact. Um, just as a quick sort of, I think. Fun side note: um, I was at my son's uh, soccer practice uh, last night, actually, and you know, I, I kind of overhear people, you know, parents talking, and normally they talk about sports and you know things like that. Um, but I started to hear AI, right? I'm like, these people are sitting at their kids' soccer practice talking about AI. But what was more intriguing to me is they were talking about, yeah, I would like to learn more about X, Y, and Z, right? They would they would name it. And I thought, what an interesting situation, day-to-day, you know, adults sitting around thinking about the things that they want to learn more about and how AI might be able to help them do that, right? And they were thinking about what does it mean to their career and when they were retiring and all these sort of things that are wrapped up into it. And so, you know, just that that example, I think, is um, embodies the types of opportunities that AI has and the types of challenges that it presents, right? And so, um, it I I tend to believe personally that this technology and this this sort of way of of working will affect the way people do their jobs. They will affect the way they live their lives. Um, and there's an opportunity that we're going to have to relearn and unlearn things um, that really help us to use that technology at its best um, and at its you know in its most good form, right? I agree. I think that um, 
just in a conversation this week, in fact, with some of the ladies that were on um, our Nader Ladies Night, um, we were talking about this. I had shared with that group that, um, you know, I'm just feeling uninspired, maybe just a little like not creative. Um, Of course, always we plan the annual conference about a a year out. Um, And that's where we are. We're in the thick of that. And um, I just, you know, have this marketing background, but, you know, not graphic marketing. Um, And so anyway, I was spinning in this like, oh, what what kind of a theme are we going to do? How can I tie this in? And of course, my committee is wonderful, always giving ideas and suggestions. But still, I was like, I just nothing is jumping out at me. And so I did take your advice from the session that I sat in and played around with AI through chat GPT and just put in a very simple prompt, um, you know, help me create a conference theme for uh, an annual conference in Atlanta and immediately was given just everything kind of wrapped up in a little package with a bow on top, right? All the things that I was struggling to sort of articulate, um, it just spit out in, you know, a matter of a few minutes. And so I really think that it's powerful. Um, and I think that there's opportunities for you to um, experiment with it without feeling like, I'm not useful anymore, right? Or like my job's going to go away, right? And we that's probably a different conversation. We may see some of that, uh, you know, as a byproduct of this technology and the advancements there. But, but I think right now, anyway, it feels very much like, how can I leverage this? Absolutely, yeah. It, it's you know, I think a good way of of thinking about where we are right now in in the sort of the landscape of AI is to look at it as a as a skill set that we need to learn more about right so just as a you know new communication technologies come on the scene and and so forth um and it changes the way we interact with other people and you know share information this is one of those things right and so as as someone who is you know in a career doing a job thinking about this as a skill set that we can build and develop and use to do our job more effectively and more efficiently, I think is a good way of thinking about where where the AI landscape is at the moment. Um, You know, a lot of times there's a lot of kind of misconceptions, and I know we can talk a little bit more about those um, uh, here as well. But but one of those, as you as you touched on, is it's going to take jobs away or, you know, or it's going to eliminate something. And you know, and I, I think at least where we are right now, um, you know, and in the foreseeable future, um, the real risk is professionals and people not learning those skills um, to do their job. That is going to be a much better risk, bigger risk than the technology itself eliminating jobs, right? And so, um, I think you know, for people who are wondering, um, what do I do in this in this sort of moment? Um, do like what those folks at the soccer practice were doing, lean in and learn. And I think that that becomes a really interesting way of thinking about how this change can be used um, in the most productive way. So if you are just today hearing of this, um, because you're listening to this podcast, uh, what would you, you know, what advice do you give somebody who has heard, maybe heard AI, but like doesn't understand it, um, maybe the light bulb's just now gone off like, oh, I maybe I could leverage that to my um, benefit in my own practice. You know, w- what are some basic one or two tools, tips, tricks that you might offer 
to somebody who knows nothing about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times when people hear AI, they think of like Terminator or something like that, right? In the in the movies. Um, that tends to think of this concept of general AI, right? That the that the machine has kind of human wisdom almost. Um, for the vast majority of tools that are out there that I'll talk about here in just a moment, that is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about um, what's called generative AI tools. And it really what it is doing is it's predicting an output based on an input that you give it. So when you put a prompt into a tool like ChatGPT, it's using that to then predict what it believes that output uh, should be using a lot of uh, like a large language model and the math that goes behind that. And so um, that's all interesting, but it's not really important to the the work that that is being done with AI. And so when you think about ways to just get started and explore, um, you know, pick a couple tools that are that are free. So ChatGPT is one. Um, Google has their version. Baird uh, Bing is one that's in uh, that Microsoft um, has created. It's actually based off of the same model that ChatGPT is. And give it a try, right? Try a simple prompt. You'll see a lot of the tools. There are some sample prompts. And the the overarching thing that you want to do is lean in and learn, but also be skeptical as well, right? This is a new technology, and we don't fully understand all the bounds and the rules and things that go along with it. But that doesn't mean that we have the option to ignore it, right? This is such a, I think, pervasive and, and important technology that we have no other choice but really to engage and to lean in and to learn. So I think the first thing to do is find a free one, try it out, and begin to sort of learn how that interaction works. And I think you'll find it to be really intriguing. And I think you'll um, you'll find it to be a little fun too, right? Which is, which is part of that learning process. I think um, for me, a lot of people, when AI first came on the scene with ChatGPT and how it came out, and then the uh, controversy with the uh, what's what people believe was a sentient AI from Google over a year ago that was big in the news was that people have this desire to to connect with things. You know, we connect with our phones. We we name we you know we've been talking to Siri for a long time, and now we have Alexa, and then. So we personalize things, and that's the last thing that people need to do with this particular, you know, tool. Like you said, it was a it's a it's a dialogue predictor. Mm-hmm. And we and in a previous conversation that we had <laughs> yesterday, when we were supposed to be recording this, we <laughs> you mentioned something along those lines when I asked a question about what are some of the misconceptions, and you kind of went down that road. So maybe elaborate on that a little bit about those misconceptions, because I actually went after our after we spoke and I was working on some things and I looked at chat GPT differently. I looked at it as a dialogue predictor mm-hmm. and I'm having trouble getting to the next place that I want to get to with these ideas that I had. Yeah. So rather than thinking that I'm speaking to a person that has a lot more knowledge than I do, <laughs> uh, I thought about this as it's not a program because programs are programmed, right? This is a, a learning module. It, yeah. it, it, it's, it learned the code is for it to learn and to predict. Yeah. So I did that and wow, yeah. it, it really changed the, the output that I was getting back when I went with that mindset. Yeah, so to elaborate a little bit, to those listening about what those misconceptions are and how to better, you know, navigate 
getting the best out of it? Yeah, that's it's a great question. I, I'm glad you went and tried it out. I mean, that's a great example of you know, like you hear something, you try it, you learn about it, and it's gonna, you know, frame the way we think about it. Um, I tell you, one of the common ones that that we tend to see, um, because it is a chat-based tool, a lot of these are. There's kind of this idea that it's a it's an answer engine in some cases, right? You know, and even it being put into Bing, you sort of bring in this idea, well, it's search. So I'm going to put in a like what I would, you know, ask Google or something like that. Um, and really the technology itself, um, while some of them can access the internet and pull in, it really is not designed to do search, right? It was, it was not that type of tool. And so when people use it in that way, there's a much higher likelihood that it's going to give back to us uh, inaccurate or false information. In fact, there's a phenomenon called hallucination where because it is trying to predict and do the things that that you just described there, it is trying to predict what it thinks is next. And sometimes what is next has not been created yet or it is not in that training model and therefore, it's going to make it up. And so there's a big po- kind of component here of digital literacy. And for us to really be good stewards of information and to understand that, yeah, we've still got to go do the research. We've still got to be good thinkers. But what this tool can do is it can predict the type of dialogue, as you described there, that would help us take an idea to a next iteration or transform that iteration into, into something else. Um, to explain a concept in a different way. Um, these are all things that um, that large language model technology is really good at. It's good at finding patterns. It's good at finding um, clusters of information. Um, and the way we interact with it ma- matters a great deal as well. So how we write prompts and how we describe them, it's almost like a a, a human language computer programming, right? That that is going on there, um, and you know, knowing the sort of behind the scenes is helpful to understand how we describe and how we communicate with, um, you know, with those tools, right? So uh, that's just one of, of I think many misconceptions, right? That I hear, and probably one of the more common one is that what is it giving me? It's false. It's like, well, you know, it's it's often also how we use the tool as well that matters a great deal of how that gets worded. So one of the things that I did after our last conversation is I um, had to create a graphic for social media post um, for um, a different association client that I manage. And so we had chatted yesterday about how there is sort of um, an integrated AI feature now in Canva, the app Canva. It's a graphics app that helps you create, you know, this content. And I had not yet done that. I had not yet tried magic is what they call it. But, um, but I did yesterday and immediately I'm like, this is what this tool was lacking from the start because you're trying to come up with, you know, let's say it's, for instance, my audience, target audience for this event are dentists. Okay. But the topic is what is EBITDA? Okay. So it's a CPA that's presenting it. Right. And so you're just automatically like, wait, what, how do I get these two concepts to mesh and, and produce a graphic that makes sense to people who are a business owners, but b general dentists. I mean, that they're the focus of their world is not, um, and probably, probably should be more in many cases, but they didn't take a lot of business courses, right? So what is EBITDA is like a very, um, 
important thing for a dentist to know, especially if they're a practice owner. And yet at the same time, I'm like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to marry these two and make it what I want it. And I just put the little prompt in and boom, graphic spits out. And I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I want, you know? Um, And so I do think that it's just so easy. It's just Mm -hmm. so easy. And a lot, I mean, to your point, Shay, there is that the understanding of what you guys just sort of teased out. But if you're just stuck, right? Like just a little bit stuck. It's like, wow, that was the quick fix I needed right Mm -hmm. there. Just plugged into this app and put a little prompt in and get the exact graphic that I'm looking for right out of it, you know? Well, absolutely. You know, and you you touched on a couple of things, the the multimodal capabilities, right? Of not just text, but being in uh, images and audio and and things of that nature. And I think that is really interesting. And then the other piece that uh, you talked about is like, how do I use this to help me better understand information in the world around me, right? You know, and um, and I mean, one area that that I've personally been really um, interested and exciting is, is that you know, it, there we have to acknowledge there are natural limitations in terms of how humans process information and restore, you know, put it in memory and all, all the good things are just how we think, right? And um, to be able to use AI as a as a bridge over some of those kind of natural ideation points, right? Because like writer's block is a great example of like just not feeling inspired or or what is a creative way of looking at this and. You know, it's interesting because instead of getting one iteration that may be halfway done, you know, we could create five or six iterations very quickly that then it gets us over that bridge and be able to kind of augment that that creative potential that humans have, right? And I, I think that is, um, from my point of view, the most exciting aspects of AI is how do we use it to inherently sort of help us be more human, right? Help us to interact and spend the time in those human exchanges and and interactions that, um, you know, we're just kind of going through the motions and procedures and stuff like that and otherwise. And so um, it has this potential to give us more time in our day to do the things that we enjoy are going to be more generative in nature, just, you know, from a creative standpoint, um, and allow us to interact with people more, right? So um, I don't know. I'm quite excited about it. I love the example that you share with with Canva, right? It's a great example where it's been integrated into the tools that many of us are already using. And for me, like I said, I'm I'm more of a marketing person, more of a um, you know verbal person. Graphics have never been a strong suit for me. And so I'm like immediately yesterday, I'm like, wow, that took three minutes. And normally to create a graphic for a social post, I might spend a half an hour, you know, which to a graphics person is probably like doing what, you know, (laughs) but for me, it's like, because I just want it to look and feel a certain way, right. And sort of match the voice of the association. This is not me posting, right? Like I'm posting, but it's on behalf of a group of people. And so Oh, it was just such a time saver. So yeah, yeah. I got 27 minutes back yesterday. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, and and I, I you touched on something real quick that I wanted to, to make a point on is, you know, how do I speak in the voice of that association or of that group? Um, and that's an interesting aspect that AI is, is very well suited to do is that we can help train, you know, AI models based on given phrases or a style guide and things like that. Writer.com is actually a great example of, of a tool that does this. And what it it sort of generates is that idea in the style of 
those those parameters that are given. And and so it's an interesting way of doing it. In fact, if you're using one of the free tools to try out, try to try something like um write something in the style of Shakespeare or write something in the style of whatever. And you're going to see that the information that is there is being transformed based on the style aspect, not just the information, which I think is a a really pretty, pretty cool aspect of the technology. Yeah. If you want your mind blown, do you about a paragraph or two about an event that you, your husband, your kids, or your wife and your kids went to the mall, we went to McDonald's or wherever, um, just a paragraph go to chat GPT and put that in there, name names, do it. And then ask it to describe that event as if Michael Bay wrote the script It is amazing. It's like, reading, exercise, yeah. <laughs> it's like reading, it's like reading a, uh, a Spider-Man or a, or a <laughs> Marvel comic. It's, yeah. it just puts you right in there. Right. So uh, just to take your point, um, I went to chat GPT while we were uh, discussing and listening. And I said, how do I effectively, or how do I have effective time management when talking to potential clients? Since this program is all about tips of greater, you know, for better representation, it spits out 13, 15 different things mm-hmm. that I can hone in just in my office and two or th- as five or six of these I don't even do. And I was like, wow, I don't do that. I need to do that. Yeah. So in a matter of 30 seconds, it says effective time management when dealing with potential clients is about balancing your availability. And so that's something that we can learn right here, right now, that chat GPT just, just spit out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, go ahead. If, if you wanted to take that that same prompt that you have there and say, you know, I have a team of three people and here are their roles, how would you you know, sort of establish their work streams over the next month to accomplish, you know, whatever your your goal to accomplish would be, you know, to serve so many clients or or whatever it might be. And what's interesting, it does even like project management and resource management type of uh, type of work and given it its parameters, right? There was one example, I think probably in the in the the session that that I did with them. The, the webinar was said, you know, create a marketing plan and here's your budget. What would you recommend that we do with that? Right. And then you could change the budget and it would change the parameter. So, uh, you know, being able to see these different variables almost to raise and lower that is going to, you know, use how you interact with the tool is one of those ways you build, um, you know, sophistication of using the AI. Right. What other tips did it give you, Shay, that you're not doing? Very curious. I, yeah, I just did that while um, while he and it took it. He, he, it finished quicker than he did. And <laughs> maybe I should talk faster, right? <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's just how fast it works. It, you know, define team goals and priorities. Well, what I said, the parameters. I have three people. How do I balance their roles over one month, giving the previous information? Uh, and it said balancing roles and responsibilities among team of three people over the course of a month requires careful planning. Define their goals, define their priorities, identify their strengths and interests, weekly plan. And then it goes into bullet points after these topics, specializations, collaborative tasks, flexibility. Then it's set clear expectations, you know, regular check-ins, adapt and adjust. All these things are stuff that we do subconsciously, but here's something that, that I'm probably going to print out here when we finish this uh, interview <laughs> so that, um, everyone around me kind of says, Hey, let's, let's work toward that yeah. and see what our, see what we can do. So 
a lot of people feel like, and we 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 kind of touched on it before, that it feels like that it may take our jobs. Now, I honestly believe that before it takes the job of a person like myself that represents clients, because we actually take their information and put it into something that it would actually replace the decision makers before it did us. Because once all the information is in there, then the ability to make that decision, which is the policies is already written. Then it marries those two together and sees, and, and it comes up with, with the output of does it meet the listing or, or, or not. Now, the only thing that we have is the human emotion where a judge would have to teeter on, okay, we're, we're there close, but maybe this person is a little different than someone else. Let's mm-hmm. give them some time. Mm-hmm. So we still have to have that human element, but as far as getting the decisions out there quicker, you know, Judge Nagel, which is a U.S. Um, uh, chief ALJ for Social Security, said in seven years he wants to see AI brought into this process. Mm-hmm. And we left our meeting in Denver when we heard that. And I told Chris and several other people, we got to get out in front of that. Mm -hmm. Us being an an educational organization, we need to make sure that our representatives and our people at NADR can utilize this and get educated in this practice long before they do so that we're ready for it once it comes out. Yeah. This is a, a great example of where the advancement of technology has outpaced our standard operating procedures, our policies, our sort of codes, if you will, of, of operating. Um, and it, it really, you know, encourages us and really demands us in certain ways to lean in to try to answer some of those, some of those questions. And I, I love the, the, the line of thinking that we want to see this integrated in, right? We see the potential now we need to figure out how to do it right. And, and I, I think that that way of thinking is a good um, thinking model, if you will, for, for how that, that occurs. Um, you know, the capabilities of the technology are really interesting. If we go back to kind of just the, the technical parameter of, you know, the decision maker, right? Um, I'll share an example that is kind of outside the, the context, but I think you'll see how the same rules apply here, right? So, um, my my daughter is uh, in uh, drama in her school, and the teacher, um, you know, was giving clues about what their musical was going to be coming up. So she would put like a question or a you know a certain uh, picture up on the wall each one each week. And so as these clues became coming in, I said, "Well, let's see what musicals are out there that these might relate to." And so week over week, we had one more piece of the puzzle. And, you know, by about the second week, maybe the third, um, we had a pretty good idea of what that musical was going to be. And we were right, you know, so because we were able to say, you know, based on these clues, what musical do you think this might be? And so if we apply that same line of thinking into the decision-making frameworks, we may not know 100%, right? We can't eliminate all the detail, but if we're able to condense that decision field from super wide to relatively narrow, right? That gives us a way uh, to really focusing on the time and effort that matters most in that, in that moment. And so, um, you know, applied to the scenario that you, that you brought in, I, I think you're, you're exactly right. That, that, that sort of technology has incredible capabilities to guide decisions um, and it's going to be the rules and parameters that get around it that allow us to be able to optimize that use, right? 
there are just so many ways, man, I hope somebody at social security, like executive level is listening. <laughs> There's so many ways that I feel like this technology could help an agency like the social security administration. Yeah. I mean, it's like trying to turn the Titanic, I think, um, in terms of size of a government agency and sort of their own bureaucracy, you know, the things that they don't even know are in their way are in their way. Um, And so you've got this very, um, you know, uh, tiered kind of situation where there's levels, you know, you've got your field offices, you've got your DDS is the next step. You've got your hearing offices and you've got your appeals council all the way up to federal district court. But then there's executives that work there and people all in between. Right. Mm -hmm. And just the most basic bottlenecks, I think, of um, from submitting an application, even, you know, there's just got to be ways that this can can be integrated to help. a with efficiency, you know, B with 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 some um you know manpower, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they say, you know, don't submit duplicates of medical records. Okay, but then we need you to confirm that you got the first time that I sent the medical <laughs> records because yeah. I have a year coming up and I can't yeah. see the file, right? Or whatever it may be. So I just think that the tools, if they were used, you know, properly to your point could really be beneficial Um, in, you know, not only the decision-making process on the back end, but also just on the front end, the things that prevent the American public from making progress in the system, you know? Yeah. There was uh, a, you you may have seen this like a a, a meme that was posted and it was actually relating to like um, when people apply for a job, they'll upload their, their um, resume and it says, why do I have to resume, put, upload my resume and then type in the same information on my resume, right? I mean, that's a form of AI that could run in there that just takes the information, obviously validated and things that is accurate, but again, saves a tremendous amount of time and avoids the duplication of work as well as the duplication of information that that comes in. Um, and so I, I think as we, we really have to lean into like, what are those the times in our day and the things, the tasks that we have to do that have the potential to be transformed, you know, using this technology. And I think we'll find our list are pretty robust. I mean, there's a lot of aspects of the things that we do every day that are important that could, that could have application Um, to the point uh, that we were kind of talking on is uh, one thing I'm really excited about is seeing the conversation at the, at the various government levels around what is you know? What do we want to see the use of AI? Um, what are the ap- appropriate uses for AI in these fields? I think that's a very healthy conversation and and something that will help to gain clarity. Because I I think one of the barriers that we see right now to just adoption of of the technologies and tools is a is a sense of of healthy uncertainty. I think I think the way when people are thinking about I'm I'm really not sure about this. Um, it's almost always rooted in this idea of um, it's a new technology. I'm not sure the implications of it. And I think those are those are very appropriate and healthy to lean into. I would love to see um, someone take the Affordable Care Act that was passed several years ago. That was what, three or four feet high when they put paper on paper Oops. and have uh, have the AI analyze that and summarize that and then ask the question. 
you know, was it constitutional or was it or was it a tax, you know, bill? And then we get the real answers, right? It's like you had to you got to pass it to know what's in it. That was what we heard back then. And I'm not trying to be political, but it's still it on the government level. If we have the information where well, we have each senator and the representative has 15 or 20 staff members or whatever that's that's running around getting all these things together and they're passing bills and then they say, you know, we don't know what's in it. We just passed it uh, because we know what we know basically what it does. But until we get it passed, we won't know exactly. Well, this would be a good tool to have, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's 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 gauge this against the Constitution and let it spit out the output. Is it a, is it good or is it bad or here? What's the potential here or what's the we got that now. Right. Yeah. So that's that's one one tool we would have. Um, but then I guess they would think we wouldn't need them anymore. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it, we do, may, though. We do, though. We have yeah. to have the input. Right. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it may it may open up better debate and dialogue right through the process. Right. When people can get through sheer amount of information and understand the features of it. It helps to focus the conversation on the most salient points, uh, hopefully, right? Um, we could also, you know, have it summarize or, or rewrite it in the style of Shakespeare, like we said before, right? So, <laughs> but it, it, you know, the technology seems to be very good at, at summarizing and summarizing it in different styles. So, as we use that example, if we said, okay, um, summarize what is in this bill um, for an eighth grader or for a sixth grader or whatever that might be. Um, it allows us to see the same information, but framed in different ways. And I think that helps that helps people learn, right? That helps people engage with information in different ways. Well, to that point, I was talking um, with Julie the other day, and she was saying that she was using this to, to, to um, piggyback on what you said, Bucky, the exact same way. You know, how do I explain Medicare to somebody just sort of in layman's terms, you know? Um, and I was even thinking in my head, like, yeah, do it once and then save that as your like canned response and your emails. And then anytime the conversation comes up and you're trying to reiterate how, you know, explain it at that level, you already have your response, right? How it's like the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a great way. And even if you have to like write a script or something like that, it, it can help transform that information, you know, in that way. One of the tools that I used it for recently was I had a uh, an instance where one of the disability doctors uh, in their summary uh, was not very, uh, wasn't very good for my client. And so I was trying to write a narrative for my brief and I kept getting stuck on how to word it. And so I went back and I put it, plugged it into chat GPT and I asked it to summarize what I had written, but give me an output that was more conducive to a legal brief. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it gave me one version and I asked it to do it again. And then I asked it to do it again. And out of three or four different versions that it gave me there, I was able to go in and and put that paragraph into my brief. So, and then after I saw what it was giving me, it made more sense to me then. Right. Mm -hmm. So I knew what I wanted to say. I just couldn't convey it. Yeah. Um, and I have a communications degree. So, I mean, that's, uh, you know, it, that's where it helped me, right? Yeah, and, and a lot of the 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 tools I, I like to think of them as sort of co-pilots, right? That fact that word has been used a lot, and you know, we're we're still driving the output of what it is, right? We're responsible for the for what it creates and what we're saying, but we certainly have this ability to kind of come alongside us and be able to clarify a statement or give us 
you know, a way of phrasing something that might be more appropriate for the audience that we're trying to um, engage with, right? That, you know, we're also balancing 50 different things in our head at the moment, right? <laughs> and so it can help to sort of, um, you know, focus on the things that matter most in that moment. I think that that's just one of the most amazing benefits of leaning into the technology from the perspective of a disability advocate. It's like, the the time um, that you spend every day sort of in, especially if you're a solo practitioner, right? And you don't have staff whose sole job is to sort of act as a case manager or collect medical records and review them. You know, there are some big bottlenecks in our day-to-day work that really are time-consuming and also sort of exhausting, you know? Mm-hmm. So you get to the end of your day and you're like, my bandwidth is shot because I've been in 800 pages of medical records. And, you know, so, you know, in order to save that mental capacity, right? Yeah. Using AI to help you sort of filter through what in here is important if X, Y, Z, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think that's huge. Now, I don't know from a HIPAA compliance standpoint, all the ins and outs on how to do that the correct way, but I think that it's possible. Yeah. The, the, you know, when we see the, the patterns in the um, technology landscape, right? One of the key concerns that um, is out there, and I think it's a very appropriate concern is uh, data privacy, data use, intellectual property, right? These are all things that that tend to get coming, uh, that surface up. And we're also seeing the providers of AI technologies recognizing that, that that is a question that is there and beginning to see some movement towards those parameters. And, uh, you know, the advice I give to folks is, um, you know, you have to look at the at the fine print and the tools that you're using based on the data that you're trying to use it with, right? And so there are, there are infinite number of variations and considerations that come into that. And it really is, you know, being a good data steward of that information um, and working closely with the partners that you work with, both at the technology level, the policy level, the data level, um, to really make sure that those things are all um, are all syncing up. But, um, you know, in the early days, if you will, is in like last November <laughs> when chat GPT released, um, uh, you know, it, there was, it was kind of the wild West and it still certainly is a little bit in terms of, of how that is used, but we are beginning to see, I think a more mature way of thinking about the the data aspects of it, but it's a, it's a key um, risk and alert that people who are using AI should be very, very dialed into. I think what'll be interesting is, and here's a good plug. You're going to be with us in our Atlanta conference. Absolutely. And how much different this conversation today is going to be six months from now. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's going to be interesting. Yeah. And, um, you know, what information are you going to have for us and what's changed and what's new and exciting? I mean, this thing could be changed 10 times between now and when we have our conference. So well, that's what's going to change between yesterday and today, too. So. <laughs> Well, my knowledge certainly has, (laughs) you know, Um, but I'm going to, I was probably on the skeptical side, you know, Um, but let me just say, you know, one interaction um, that saves you time and brain power in a very positive way um, and, and 
and you'll be leaning in too, because I think that it's just so fascinating. And also um, it's here, right? Like, I don't think we talked about this the other day. I don't think that there's a going back, right? I think we're, it's, it's being integrated. It's a part of the world and the technology that we use. And we're probably just going to have to get to know it and get comfortable with it and learn it. And, um, and, and, and also ask those questions, right? How do we do this? you know, ethically. But it wasn't, it wasn't all that long ago. People didn't trust TVs. And after that, they didn't trust cell phones, Mm -hmm. you know, and after that they didn't trust the internet or before that they didn't trust the internet. So we've always had a thing with technology, but after it kind of, you know, a lot of kids had Tamagotchis. We all all have Alexas now. Uh, Everybody talks to Siri and and those things, so it's become part of who we are. Yeah, and I think that's the exciting thing. And if we if we embrace it with the right attitude, we have something. Yeah. What's funny is uh, I I was preparing for a talk the other day, and um, I I called it sort of AI beyond the hype, right? So if we think about in the future, what does this mean day to day? And I I thought, well, I'm going to go just kind of compare this to the Gutenberg printing press. So if you if you look at like what people were saying about the printing press and you swap out printing press and put in AI, they're pretty, pretty similar, right? And so to your point, like this is a, a pretty natural approach of how we understand innovations to happen, right? And so once we know that, we can then sort of predict how we help to navigate those things and and you know help to do it well and all those those good things, right? Well, I'm excited uh, for our members to get to meet you in Atlanta and also um, for us to to sort of disseminate the information we have at that time and and help people uh, wrap their brain around it um, and figure out ways that they can use it in their day-to-day business um, and lives to help uh, just sort of take the edge off, right? We're all doing way too many things. Yeah. I mean, we have more on our shoulders it seems um, that than any other generation in society, right? I mean, we just go, 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 go. If your household looks anything like mine. Um, and so I think it's just uh, fascinating. And uh, we look forward to having you with us in April. I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to being there and being a part of the conversation. And it, it truly is a conversation, right? We learn together. These are so new and so changing um, things that we are talking about that um, it are the best way to navigate that is through connection and community, right? And so uh, for, to be uh, have the opportunity to be a part of that conversation, I'm so honored and I'm looking forward to, uh, to meeting uh, people there in person and having that dialogue. Awesome. Now, before we go, I have to ask you a, a personal question. Yeah. Now, I already know the answer to this because, again, this is deja vu. But um, we... We, your name's Bucky Dot. Now, is Bucky your given name or is that a nickname? Yeah, so Bucky is my given name, right? So you've probably been wondering that through the whole podcast, right? So you have to, to go all the way through to find the answer, right? Bucky is my given name. My folks are big baseball fans. Bucky Dent was a, a, a famous baseball player, famous shortstop that uh, was sort of a, a common uh, point of interest for them, right? You know, and so I'm Bucky Dent named after, you know, so forth. <laughs> Awesome. Now, I'm glad you, I wanted you to be able to share that. Yeah, I appreciate it. That's wonderful. <laughs> yes, sir. Appreciate you being here today. Yeah, great. Likewise. <laughs>